Oh, you're at Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. We are listening today to November 28th, 2022, a Monday evening. Kicking it off at 6 p.m. NYC time. And my guest is Vernon Reed. Vernon, what are we going to talk about? Santana. Yes. Yes. What Santana? We talked about that quite a bit. Uh, Vernon's idea was to take kind of the jazzier side of what Carlos Santana's done, um, which could be any of a lot of things. You know, he's worked with everyone from Alice Coltrane to Herbie Hancock to Wayne Shorter to on and on and on and on. And we zeroed in on this year of 1972, uh, Primarily instrumental music that he's doing, the album Caravanserai and live music around that. You've been listening. You know, if you didn't listen to parts one and two, go check them out first. And if you did, by golly, here it comes. Coming at you. Here's part three. It's deep focus. So it takes a risk factor, a necessary risk factor, which is the essence of art. You know, when that's taken away, you have a you have a simulacrum. You can have a simulacrum of art where it's like, well, it sounds great, and every, obviously everyone's playing great, but what you're not hearing, and what you're not hearing is the soul of the thing. You know, because, you know, somebody's got their skills in, are at a high level, and theoretically, and all the things, and they've got the, you know, they got the chops to do it, and this is one of the problems. And it's a weird problem, because who can assail, you know, who can, who, I mean, who can assail the virtuoso, right? The, well, yeah, you know, I'm just, uh, you say, know, well, I was just going to say there, but there's a lot of, at the same time, there's a lot of tumult in the makeup of Santana's band around this time. Oh, sure there is. This band did not last. I mean, it, you know, no, you hear it could, this. Uh, yeah, and, and, and this, and this is, um. You know, it, it 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 reminds me of that that uh, monologue by Ty- Tyrell in Blade Runner. You know, the, the flame that is twice as bright lasts half as long. And a lot of times, a band you catch a band and they are in a thing, and you know, and it's incre- it can be an incredible experience. But you know what you're hearing is the sound of the thing tearing itself apart. You know, that 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 is unfortunately, you know, because, you know, it's like uh, I never promised you a rose garden, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so I think I think this is a thing at a certain point, of, I think of even Coltrane's, you know, uh, ensemble, the great quartet. I mean, there was a play, you know, John was going into a place that was so avant-garde, so not referential to to structures of the past and it became very difficult. It became, you know, I, I know for a fact that at one point, you know, Elvin had started to have, you know, a problem, especially when he started bringing in other sax players. And, yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 that became a, a, a real issue. And by the time you get to something that's so, like, an ascension, I mean, it's... Uh, the, I can imagine that it became, you know, if you were willing to play my favorite things for 45 minutes, you know, but then the next step is something like Ascension, you know what I mean? Because even, yeah, no, it's still graspable, you know, like it's still graspable, you know, even though you're doing all this crazy extemporaneous, extemporane, I can't even say the word, you know, you're doing all this, you know, exploration and adventurous stuff off this you know you can get to it but when you get to a place where it's just about sound and it's and it's and it's about sound that's abrasive and the idea of that sound is to be transformational it's to literally be transformational and if you can't get to that and some a lot of times these things break down on what people can get to so you got to see somebody you know person that was on your squad you know they were in it with you and but the the, where you're going is to an undiscovered country you're going to a place where you know the people didn't sign up for that right 
And that's just talking about what happens on the bandstand, let alone yeah. this one's got a drug problem, that one thinks oh, they're a rock star, the yeah. other one... It's, it's, and you know. it's because, you know, because these magnificent things are, are made and done by human beings, you know? Like, you see the actor, you see the musician, and you don't, you're not thinking about this person's relationship to their siblings. You're not thinking <laughs> about that. And that's something that's, that's living with them every day. Marvin Gaye was a hero to millions except to his pops, you know? And his pops, I mean, one of the weirdest things, like, you know, Marvin Gaye, the gun that wound up killing him, he gave that gun to his father as a gift. I mean, that, what you know, like, I mean, unpack that edible. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, un- unpack that edible pretzel, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I mean, that that is... is um. That's a you Greek know, myth right there. Many people, may, the, the what we're hearing when we hear these magnificent artists are, you know, you're hearing a lot of things and, and you're hearing things that you don't know nothing about. Mm. You don't, you know, you, you're hearing things and you're hearing experiences, you know, for a Brian Wilson to make, to do what he did, he went through, he literally... I mean, there's stories about what... Did, did you watch that American Masters? They just did a on PBS, oh, a whole doc walking man, through all that stuff with him. It was really No, there was striking. one... I, I read some things about what he went through. And one of his passages, what, what his father... I'm not even going to mention it. His father did something to him that was so unspeakable. It was literally unspeakable. I, I, I think I put the book down and said, I can't, I'm not... I'm not messing with it. It was really beyond. And out of that, Brian Wilson made music of angelic beauty. And um, But it co- it cost him. I mean, so much of what we hear that's great, it cost. It cost. And, um, and the people that do these things, they live with what was done to them, what happened to them. And unless some other kind of work is done, is enacted to, to change the course of things. I mean, you're, you, you know, like you, you're hearing something lovely and what you're not understanding is that is a result of the person that's making this lovely thing is living in a place of torment. And, and, and you know, and it's not even the most obvious thing because you hear the scream of saxophone, oh, that's a tormented dude. No, I'm not talking about the obvious things like that. And, um, for a bit of beauty, for a bit of ease, um, spiritual ease, you know, and and that and you know we be we're the listeners of the beneficiaries of this thing. So so we hear this lovely, you know, these incredible voicings, this beautiful piano course. And you don't know that this person, you know, um, was tormented to to make that sound come out of them. So all of these things, when you hear about, you know, the band, you know, I mean, it took me a long time, you know, like a Ma, as a Mahavishnu fan, you know, it, it just, I just couldn't understand, like, what, you know, these, this band was so incredible. And, you know, and I re, it really was heartbreaking when Rick Laird, you know, because for the longest time, you know, like all of the Mahavishnu guys are alive, right? Right. And, um, and then when Rick Laird passed, you know, it's funny because he was the least sung of all of the musicians, yeah, bassist, you know, and he was Who became he, a very uh, wonderful, photo- very yeah. successful photographer. Yeah, and but you know his playing, he was not uh, uh, Stanley Clark. You know, he was yeah. not a Jocko. He was, but you know, the Mahavishnu Orchestra would not have worked if Rick Laird didn't hold down his parts the way he did. Like he was a part of that ensemble, and and. People will discount him because he was not "quote unquote" impressive. But honestly, if you listen, you know that music holds together. And he and yeah. he gave the he literally gave the license for everyone for, yeah. else for Cobham to, to go completely did. nuts. He yeah. gave the license because and he was you know and he kind of stayed in the pocket, you know like and and that's the you know like if you listen to believe it, you know people never talk about Tony Newton and Tony Newton. Is fantastic. Tony Newton is fantastic, but we're so 
blown away by Allen, you know, and yeah. and and the, both Allens, Pasqua and Holdsworth, you know, right. and so that we're you know, to, I've never nobody talks about Tony Newton, and Tony Newton's effing incredible on those records. So anyway, let me do a little housekeeping, real oh, please, quick. Please, please do. Just want to let the folks know as the FCC requires, that you are listening to WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD1. Maybe you found us at WKCR.org if you're a listener here in the New York City area and you want to make your friends jealous of how good the radio is here. You could tell them to find us on the web at WKCR.org. You can also tell them to listen to Deep Focus anytime they want. It's on that little box in your pocket. It's on your phone right now. You can find Deep Focus on... Apple oh, yeah. podcast or what have you? Yeah, it's it's wonderful. To, you know, really, really, it's a it's a. I mean, I'm just going to say, Deep Focus is a, just a remarkable series of podcasts, and 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 there's so much music you haven't heard, and the perspectives from the various guests are are just very from people that were on you know, that have inside knowledge, people who are just fans. It's really uh, uh, as a for a music podcast, I mean, it's top shelf. It's a fantastic series, you know. And so, and it's a real public service. You Thank know. you, Vernon. I, I believe that. I this believe one that. tonight, by the way, is of a piece with some of the shows you and I have done together, and there's some bangers in there. But also, I think of uh, the show I did with Brian Charette on oh, sure. Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yeah. The one I did with Ben Tyree on Frank Zappa, the one I did with uh, Arturo O'Farrell on Steely Dan. This whole moment and movement, a lot of these pieces fit together, and I know a lot of listeners are been along for the ride. It's 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 exciting. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, you know. It's it's interesting to hear this band, and of course, you know the things that are going on um, inside of it, but still, the music is so wonderfully realized and um it's so wonderfully you know like hearing Joe Be- like Stoneflower you know it's it's beautiful it's beautiful I mean and um and in fact that's I think the first time I've heard Stoneflower live like a live version of Stoneflower. I, I should run down the pieces that we heard. So yeah. once again, it's uh, this is Seattle, 1972, really in the wake of the studio craft of uh, making of Caravanserai. We came up with some gems. We're not even going to get to half the stuff that we had pulled. We There's actually a collection of studio outtakes from that album that are really interesting for another night. But uh, we heard Incident at Neshabur. You heard the... Uh, Santana, again, quoting Afro Blue in there, showing maybe some of what he had in his mind about this music. Uh, Bombele and All Love of the Universe theme, echoing back to, uh, that's uh, Caravan's right, too, isn't yeah, it? All yeah. Love of the Universe, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stoneflower, Waiting, and Castillos de Arena. Mm-hmm. And um, there's more, more coming. I, You know what I want to ask you about, Vernon? Mm. Is... Um, the aesthetics of this, which we haven't really talked about. And in particular, if you want to tie it together and experience a near out-of-body experience you had, I know you had recently, hearing something you created coming back to you from your television. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So... I don't know if the you know I'm I'm a huge uh, sci-fi and horror fan. Huge, he big time. And and you know one thing you know when I talk I I'll talk about things that influenced me. And one thing that I neglected this for years. You know one one pivotal show was the Twilight Zone. You know the Rod Serling's Twilight Zone mm-hmm. was a piv- like a pivotal event in in forging my worldview. You know, it was like Rod Serling was like one of the first TV people to actually, you know, most of what was happening on TV was the unreality of the aspiration of the American dream. You know what I mean? Father Knows Best, the Andy Griffith show, you know, mm-hmm. and all that, the situation, kind of Dick Van Dyke, all that jazz, right? But Rod Serling was 
one of the first people to come on the television and say, you know, everything is not what you, everything is not as it seems. Everything was not as it seems. And, you know, this, what I'm going to tell you is not going to necessarily have a happy resolution. You know, like every other thing, every, you know, like the detectives on TV cop shows have an, an insane clearance rate. Right. Yeah, always, and, and it's quite, uh, it's they're quite. They're never wrong. And, and it's quite <laughs> disconcerting. And there's no, and there's, there are never any wrongful convictions, right? So for somebody, I remember the first time somebody said, well, you know, the clearance rate on murder is like, is like maybe at the be- at best 70%. The, the TV shows are lying to us. You know, like all these cops are solving all the crimes, right? And, um, and the other thing, too, is that things would end and the end would be, you know, it was all a dream and everything is as it was and somebody waves a wand or something or well, the Twilight Zone, that didn't happen like that. In fact, the endings of the Twilight Zone, you go, oh, man, that's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> there was always that moment. You get to that moment, yeah. you know, a few minutes in, maybe before the first commercial, like, oh, wait, we're not. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Oh, no. You know, it's like when the guy steps on his glasses in the library. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right at the end. <laughs> you know, anyway. um, yeah, so so okay, so sci-fi and horror, and 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 in particular, this is okay. So this thing I'm gonna say happened for the band or with the band Living Color. You know, the the show, the kind of epic. It's it's been around for eleven seasons. The show, The Walking Dead, um, had its final episode uh, last week. So it's the series, not just the season. Uh, finale, but it's the it's not just season, but it's the series finale of The Walking Dead. And you've been hooked on this show. I've been hooked all on the show. I, I've been, you know, I I have pretty much all eleven seasons. And there were moments where I was, I you know, I fell off, but then I would binge and catch up, you know. And they we licensed, uh, we got a request to license uh, the Living Colors on Cult of Personality. And, um, and of course, you know, I was like, hells yeah, you know, let's, you know, and uh, I was thrilled about it. And then last week, uh, last Sunday, I, um, I saw, I watched the, the episode and the, the usage of cult of personality was not just as a kind of interstitial thing. It literally is. I mean, was woven into the finale. It's woven into the plot. It's actually impactful. It's it's actually eidetic. It's used. It's not just soundtrack. It's actually in the action it's that in you're the, It's in the action. So I was compl- I was speechless. I was floored, and um, and it was so incredibly um, satisfying and and, and a major. Plot point turns it, on it, and a major, major plot a point. major plot point turns on the playing of this tune, and that you wrote and created. You know that we wrote and created, and it's just a it's it was a very, um, I to say surreal moment. It was a surreal moment, and it's because that culture has meant so so much to me. Now the corollary to that is is the Walking Dead would not exist if it wasn't for George Romero many years ago, you know, and his film Night of the Living Dead. And Night of the Living Dead has this distinction of it's the first horror film that features an African-American protagonist, Dwayne Jones, great Dwayne Jones. And... It's so naturalistic, and it's it's about so much of what the social, you know, in 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 the '60s when it happened. So, I remember seeing Night of the Living Dead, and that you know, because at, at one point, you know, just to see anybody black on TV, that, now people don't even realize how rare it was, and to see someone, George Romero's incredibly courageous, you know, 
uh, decision to quack, to to cast Dwayne Jones in the lead, and you know, to the even to the point of the ending, which is a devastating um, thing. So to jump cut from that to the finale of the Walking Dead, you know, the wonderful creation of Robert Kurtzman, and you know, and and it just it just was a, felt like the closing of a circle of a you know thinking about you know Frank Frank Darabont and Bill Kurtzman and all the wonderful people and all the great you know people that worked. It just feels I can't even begin to <laughs> to say, but it was very, very, very great. And uh, yeah. Well, let me let me turn a little facet on that. Thinking about, tell me, Robert Kurtzman, the connection of the aesthetics of your appreciation of that and the music. And what we're listening to tonight from Santana, mm-hmm. and if you want to pull in also what you create with a living color and connection with what you create in other kinds of music. That well, you, play. you know, part of this thing is also about, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, in one of his books, talk about talks about like if you're born in a certain year you're going to be exposed to certain things and those things that you're exposed to are going to affect how you see the world and the things that you, that you're available to create, you know, talks about the fact that, you know, computers were introduced into the California school system right at the time when, uh, when Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs and, and, you know, and Bill Gates and Paul Allen were in school, you know what I mean? So it happened in this particular sequence and they were right at the age for that to happen. I mean, I grew up in a New York, I, I grew up as a child of immigrants, but I grew up in a New York where, you know, like to talk about this city was a city of districts, the flower district, the garment district, the music district. And the music district on 48th Street, it was a place where all the musicians, so well-known people, you know, up-and-comers, people doing club dates, wedding bands, everybody went to get their instruments there. And because of that, you know, um, there would be things, unusual meetings would happen. You would run into your musical heroes, you know, they're buying drumsticks or whatever. Um, And there were just remarkable, you know, stories, you know, like... um, like, you know, like one of the salesmen in one of the guitar shops, you know, wound up joining a really well-known band. And and it's kind of one of these things that becomes, a, a you know, almost like a mythological thing. You know, that dude is now he's touring with them, you know. <laughs> so so um, anyway, there was a whole milieu about it's about the time period, you know, um, and the things that we were all exposed to, you know, like knowing that Prince heard Sly and the Family Stone the same time, the same time that I heard Sly and the Family Stone, because we were both born in 58. You know, we, we heard Weather Report at the same time. And I could hear, you know, like there's no, there's no Prince in the Revolution without Sly and the Family Stone. Right. I could hear... When I hear the intro to 1999, I know that he heard Mysterious Traveler. I know he heard Joe Zhao and all and Mysterious Traveler. You know what I mean? And so things like things like that are a part and parcel of the weave of things. You know, like hearing on Broadway and the fact that George Benson says, you know, they're dead wrong. I know they are because I can play this here guitar. And the fact that that his whole career in jazz is encapsulated in this one line and he's playing live and the audience bursts into spontaneous yeah. applause. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, those factors were there to connect. Those dots were there to be connected and and so on and so forth. You know, Oliver Nelson, you know, you know, uh, doing blues in the abstract truth, but at the same time having a successful career, you know, in TV 
doing themes and things like that. So all of those, all of those parts and all of the tumult and all of the things that went sideways, um, the war, the, 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 all the assassinations, all of the things are part of the background. You know, the fact that we were, you know, like the X-Men, we're the children of the atom, right? Like mm-hmm. we, you know, like we came up during the Cold War and the dissolution of the Cold War literally, literally meant, okay, this, this way of looking at things has now shifted. The Berlin Wall, you know, we, you know, like we drove Shannon and Bruce and Melvin and I and Henry and Zane, we drove through Checkpoint Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Like we went through that and we saw the wall, the Berlin Wall come down and Checkpoint Charlie was moved to be part of a museum. Like all of that, is part and parcel of, of of what defined not just in one genre but across genres, across genres. I, I recently went to the um, Basquiat show, and you know, John Michelle. It's interesting when you go through the Basquiat show, which is still in town. Look it up and go. But you know, he some of his first early drawings are of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Wow. You yeah. know, so he was connecting to culture. It's like the Rocky and Bullwinkle show, and that show was written, you know, in such an oblique way. You know what I mean? And that, and, and Boris Badenov again, right? Back to the Cold War, Natasha and Boris, right? So all of these archetypical things and all these cliched things were all are all part of a a, a great becoming. How we became what and who and what we became. The fact that we talked about instrumental hits, but because of the fact that, you know, people had band practice. People, you know, people, you know, you know, played a note on a trumpet badly, but, you know, they could hear when Chuck Mangione came on, they said, oh, you know, I played trumpet in high school, right? So this, and this is a nation, as a nationwide trend, when music and certain things are taken out of the curriculums, yeah. right? You know, those things, the, it changed a certain, a certain kind of connective tissue um, between and amongst Americans, you know, died. It's not just about, it's about a connective thing and our connective collective listening was altered because those things were removed and they because they were not valued and because they were not valued, that has had a, just a net effect, you know, across the board. Yeah. You know, and this, and, and we're living with, you know, the effects and 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 of course the whole other things have come through a whole other you know way of thinking about things has entered into it but even those things have evolved and changed into we don't even know what right what they're becoming what they're becoming and it's becoming and and, and you know and it and how is it affecting us and what is it appealing it's appealing to something darker and problematic and um, and to and to start to come to grips with all of what that is I mean I you know the thing <laughs> I you know it is all of it's inspiring music we a lot of it we don't get to hear because you know there's too much of everything <laughs> well taking it back and not to, enough of other things you know? that's true that's true. Vernon Reed is my guest. The show's called Deep Focus, and our attention wanders from time to time, but always, always, always comes it's back. Deep focus. <laughs> the, the ironic, <laughs> because when, I, when I'm a guest, you know. Broad focus. Broad, <laughs> Broad focus, focus is the name yeah. of the show. And, uh, yeah. But our, uh, our attention does return to Carlos Santana and his band Santana, and mm-hmm. this one night of October 15th, 1972, at the University of Washington in Seattle. We're going to bounce back in there in just a minute. But uh, I'm just, you know, thinking, listening to what you're saying and thinking about what I hear in this music. And what I hear is a tremendous joyousness Mm -hmm. and lightness and optimism and communality Mm -hmm. and um, a kind of, 
discovery of possibilities. It's a, it's an expanding universe. I don't hear that in a lot of music in the same way today, but I'm just uh, enjoying it as it comes, listening to this show. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting, you know, part of it is band, you know, a collective voice as opposed to an individual, you know, like a collective voice, collective voices with a common goal as opposed to individual voices who are together for convenience sake. It really certainly does sound like this ain't just a gig for any of these guys. Right. This is, they are, they mean it. And these guys, once again, I'll tell you the rundown. Um, Carlos Santana is on guitar and as Vernon was saying earlier, kind of the leader, kind of a cooperative band too perhaps. Kind of leader, yeah. You know, that's part of the thing that's, you know, he's becoming, uh, he's becoming the iconic center of the experience, Hmm. which is, you know, and we become more so. This is a really interesting moment. I, we've been doing a lot of talking. I want to get back to the music. Please do. But Please. You, I was you, just going to say that the, the, this is this moment when there is not, this might be the last time there isn't a lead vocalist. Because uh, Leon Thomas would join the band in a matter of a couple of months. And I don't know if there was ever another time when there wasn't. Well, they... Um... In any case. Okay. <laughs> Tom Coster and... Richard Kermode, both playing keyboards. Tom Coster, piano. Richard Kermode on organ. Doug Rausch, bassist. Michael Shreve on drums. And uh, Mingo Lewis, congas. Chepito, timbales. Armando Peraza, congas. And once again, it's October of 72 in Seattle. This is from the WKCR archives. Shall we? Is there more? Sure. Go? Let not? it rip. It's Deep Focus on WKCR.
Vernon, you think they're gonna come back out? You think we can get them to do an encore? Oh, I hope they'll do an encore. Here they come, here they come, they're coming back out. They're coming back out.
you did not want that to end. Mm. It's beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. the business. Can't say the word I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> but that was the business. That was obviously live recording, you could tell. And if you just joined us, boy, did you blow it, because we've been having the best time here for the last three hours. The yeah. show's called Deep Focus. Vernon Reed, my guest. Hey. Hoo-ha. And Vernon, thank you for bringing our attention to this band, Santana, and this critical moment. Yeah. 1972, mm-hmm. just finished in the studio making Caravans Right and taking it out on the road and letting it op- letting it rip, opening it up. Absolutely. No, it's a beautiful period of the band, of the of this particular musician's career, the band's career, and um, it's a very special moment. And it's, and it's also a very special moment overall in the culture of the collision of rock and jazz and improvised music and progressive ideas and combining cultures and it's incredibly powerful yeah so it's a, and it's a very formative and it was a very formative thing in particular for me and and really generations of of players and uh, music listeners, so. Yeah, I mean, based on. Thank you for digging this stuff up, it's incredible. (laughs) Pleasure. I don't know if I would have found my way to this without the recommendation, and I gotta say, the calls we've been getting and the presence online, people are feeling it, people that remember this and people that are maybe discovering it for the first time, and if you did blow it, yeah, I gave you a little bit of a hard time about that, but you should know this show will go up next week and join hundreds of others some like it, some different, right. some you might enjoy, and um, all all vibrant uh, episodes of Deep Focus. It's called Deep Focus. You'll find it on your favorite podcasting app. And uh, I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. And it's all free, no advertising or anything. And there's tons of great stuff there to discover. You can listen anytime you want. You can download it. You can send it to your friends. And uh, if you like it, let us know and like it up and subscribe. And uh, I'm kind of amazed how few people <laughs> take advantage of that. But mm-hmm. I think more will discover it if you let them know that you you get it, you dig it. Absolutely. This is important stuff. It's important. You know, it's kind of like these documents, you know, like who these who these artists were when they were just, you know, transmitting their messages, transmitting their music. It's beautiful. How do people keep up with all the stuff you're doing, all the I mean, Well, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I was... A moving target. I was going to say, you know, you could always find me on Twitter, but Jesus. <laughs> 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 you know, but I'm Vert22, uh, you know, on Twitter. And I'm also Vert22... On Mastodon, I don't know where that's gonna go, but you know, just just open the Mastodon account, and, and you could find me with my photographs and stuff on Instagram, and I'm Vernon Reed on Facebook. And Vern V U R N T twenty two V U R N T twenty two, yeah. And uh, yeah, and you've always, I mean, you always have your hands in different things. I'm actually gonna be, you know, W the the great, uh, you know, the great. Alternative radio station WFUV is about to have a Christmas thing on December the 6th, and and it looks like I'm going to be sitting in with the bright, fantastic young bluesman known as Kingfish. I might be uh, doing a tune with him. You know, I just did a thing with Mike Doty uh, last night at Union Pool and uh, things like that. So that's happening December 6th, and, you know, other things all points east. Hmm. <laughs> Vernon, thank you so much for coming up. And thank you for inviting me. This is beautiful. This is really, really powerful. All right, we'll leave you with a little last taste and keep it tuned. Jacob's coming up next. Pop Talk with Omar Apollo. All right. Keep it right here. It's WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD1, WKCR.org. We're deep focused on Mitch Goldman here with my guest, Vernon Reed. Last word goes to Carlos Santana. And we out.